The legal views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute or contain legal advice. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. It is truly, truly a pleasure to be speaking with you guys. My favorite part of the week right here, talking to you all on this podcast. And and let me just say this. The last couple weeks have been truly fun and truly exciting. Um, I don't know how much the listeners enjoy getting into sort of the behind the scenes talk of this show, but I do want to share with you in the last three or four weeks, I don't know why I can't think of a reason. I can't, uh, deduce why this might be happening. I have no real evidence that might give an explanation, but our numbers have been really good the last few weeks. Uh, I mean, I've always sort of seen growth in this podcast over the last year and a half. We've been doing it. We've been going up and up and up, and that's been very reassuring and, and, uh, you know, motivating for Dave and I, but in the last few weeks in particular, just a nice, huge bump in the numbers. You guys are, something's really resonating with you guys and we really appreciate it. Uh, we're so happy that we have your support and we know very much that if there is an explanation for why the numbers are doing really well lately, it's because of what you guys are doing to promote the show. Uh, I hear all the time people telling me that they told their friend about the show and now their friend listens and that's the kind of stuff that moves podcasts forward. It's not traditional advertising. It's word of mouth. So if you're listening to this show right now and you like what we do, then, and and you want to show gratitude in some way, the best thing you can do for us is just tell a friend or tell a couple friends, or you got some musicians in your life and you think this show might be useful for them. Or if you just have people who like to laugh and, you know, listen to some stuff about music. I mean, I don't think you have to be a musician to enjoy this show, to be honest, uh, you know, I'm barely a musician and Dave's barely a musician and we enjoyed the show. Um, but you know, tell a friend, get the word out, help us kind of keep this going. Cause I'd love for this momentum to just keep moving and moving so we can really build a nice community for this show. If you want to reach out to us, you can email us at break the at gmail.com. If you have questions you want us to answer on the show, we answered a listener question last week. You guys loved that question, by the way, I got lots of great feedback on both the question and the answer. So I think that's a great source of content. And plus, selfishly, when a listener asks a good question and I can turn that into a topic, that's one less topic for me to come up with. So it makes my life a lot easier. So, yeah, I'm basically asking you to do my job for me, if you would be so kind. But, yes, if you have questions or topics you want us to talk about on the air, email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. Uh, if you, and that can be pop culture topics, too. We love to talk about the pop culture around here. And if there's some pop culture thing that you would like me and Dave to weigh in on, uh, let us know. Breakthebusiness at gmail.com. If you want to reach out to Dave and I, you can follow me on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R. That's at Ryan K-A-I-R. You can follow Dave on Twitter at MetalDave85. And uh, if you want to support the show in other ways, we would love very much for you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes soundcloud google play stitcher throw us some good ratings throw us some good reviews share our podcast on your social media channels uh retweets shares on facebook um that stuff really really helps just you know keep helping us move forward we very much appreciate it so we're doing things a little bit differently this week and let me explain what's going on here um i like to think i have two jobs 
There is my lawyer job, the job I spend most of my time doing, and then my break the business job, author, podcaster, speaking engagements, things like that. And job number one can be demanding. And sometimes job number one, you know, the job that pays the bills can get in the way of the job that on a good week can maybe pay for the equipment that I use to do that job. And so job number one is, is, is taking precedence. So something has come up with work at come up with work and I have to do a different kind of episode this week because I'm going to the Bahamas this weekend for work and I just found out a couple days ago. And I know that sounds like I'm faking it, um, especially because I tell, I'm going to tell you I'm going on a cruise to the Bahamas for work, but it is for work. It is a work thing. It is a client thing. And so that's where I got to be. And normally we do the podcast on the weekends, but not going to be here. So we got to come up with something different. But by the way, the fact, you know, this is my not complaining voice. I'm not, you know, I'm not, oh, woe is me. I'm going to the Bahamas. No, it's going to be great. I'm excited. I, you know, who doesn't love going on a cruise? But I want to make sure the episode is still good. And so we have some great content in store for you um, that I'm going to tell you about right now. Um, so basically, the two main things that I want to get and I want musicians to get out of this podcast if, if I had to boil it all down to what do I want musicians to take away from this podcast is two things. One, to be informed. I want to help you get more informed, uh, share with you whatever information I have and can give to you. And second, I want you to get inspired. I know it is a struggle out there to be an independent artist. It is a, you know, we, we talked all about this last uh, episode when we were talking about the parallels between the movie La La Land and what musicians experience. It's hard to be an indie artist. It's a slog. It's a fight. You're sacrificing out there. And so whenever I can throw out little segments that help inspire you, that keep you going, keep you fighting, you know, keep you making music for another week, um, I think that's an important thing of what I, uh, aspect of what I do. And to the extent that this podcast inspires you, even in a small way, uh, that means a lot to me. And so what I wanted to do this week is replay two interviews that we've done on this podcast that I think best embody those two takeaways that I want you listeners to have. One, the first interview I'm going to play for you is an informative interview. It's meant to inform. And the second interview is meant to inspire. So here are the two interviews. The first one, the informing interview, is with Jack Conte, the CEO and founder of Patreon. I really enjoyed doing this interview with Jack. He was so knowledgeable uh, shared some great information. If you haven't heard this interview yet, you're going to learn a lot about Patreon's crowdfunding platform and how you can use it in your own music career. And if you have heard this interview, you're going to want to hear it again because there's just so much great insight in there. And you probably missed some stuff the first time. I've I've listened to it uh, several times now, and I always get something new because he packed a lot of great info into that very you know 20 minute interview, small interview. Um, if you don't know what Patreon is, it's a unique kind of crowdfunding platform. So when you think crowdfunding, you tend to think of platforms like Kickstarter, you know, the common type of crowdfunding platform where you want to make an album or you want to go on tour, you want to do some kind of big project and you'll tell your fans, I need to raise X number of dollars for this project. Please make contributions. And if you make contributions, we'll give you certain rewards. Uh, and the bigger the contribution, the bigger the reward. So if you put in $20 and I'll give you a copy of the album we're making, if you put in 
$100, I'll give you a t-shirt and a copy of the album. If you put in $5,000, I'll give you executive producer credit on the album, and I'll come to your house if you're in the continental United States and play a show at your house. But it's a great way to get your fans engaged in your project. It's a great way to get your projects funded, not only without a record label, but to get your projects funded before the project goes out there. Know that you're going to have a profitable project before you've even made it. Crowdfunding is changing the industry. It's making it easier than ever to be an independent artist. But that's the traditional kind of crowdfunding. The kind of crowdfunding that Jack Conte's platform Patreon does is not big projects, but little ongoing projects. Um, the music model is changing. We've talked a lot about this on the podcast where we're slowly as an industry drifting away from the, the big projects, like a big 12 track album, um, and going more to little projects like making a new song here and there, a new song every week, a new song every month, a new YouTube video every week or every month. And for those little projects, you need a crowdfunding platform that allows your fans to fund you on a more ongoing basis. And that's what Patreon does. It's a platform where you can have your fans pledge a certain amount of money to you. It can be either every week or every month or for every project you make. So if you make YouTube videos once a month or once a week, you can say, okay, my fans will give me $1 for every YouTube video I make. And obviously, the more money that they contribute, much like Kickstarter the more money that your fans, that the more rewards you can give your fans. If they contribute a lot of money per week, you can give them big rewards. And so it's a game-changing platform because what Patreon represents is an opportunity not just to get big projects funded like Kickstarter, but the prospect of ongoing crowdfunding can allow an artist to meet their everyday expenses. You're talking about a platform that lets artists pay their rent. That lets artists cover their everyday life expenses, (laughs) expenses, I should say. Wow, I'm uh, I'm already uh, thinking of the Bahamas. I'm not even focused right now. And it's huge because you're talking about a platform that can allow artists to break free of big content models, uh, can allow them to have money in their pocket throughout the year, which can let them fund all sorts of creative ambitions. There are artists who are doing really, really well on Patreon, are are really doing not only making great work, but taking care of themselves with this platform. It's it's game changing. And when you, you're gonna really be amazed when you listen to what Jack says, not only about how to succeed on this platform, but what he thinks the platform represents and how he thinks that this platform could completely revolutionize the industry and be the chief way that independent artists make a living for themselves. It's no longer gonna be the traditional model of making an album, selling the album. It's going to be getting this sort of ongoing patronage from your fans so that you always have a steady stream of income. If you are the kind of artist that puts out a lot of material, um, puts it out throughout the year, makes a lot of YouTube videos, makes a lot of singles, things like that, you could really do some great things with Patreon if you invest in your fan base and really build them out and are active on social media. So that's we're going to talk with uh, Jack Conte. Um, an old interview, and you're going to find out uh, how you can make the most of that platform. And you're going to hear it straight from the horse's mouth, because again, this is the guy who co-founded the platform. He's the CEO. He knows how this thing works better than anybody. He even uses it and uses it quite well. So that's Jack Conte. And that's the interview that's going to inform you. And then as promised, I'm going to play an interview that will inspire you. And perhaps the most inspiring interview we've ever done on this podcast. And 
the guest that has inspired me more than any other guest we've had on this podcast, and I've been plenty inspired by our guests, but this artist is a, just a spectacular, spectacular inspiration to me, Mandy Harvey. If you have not heard of Mandy Harvey, you need to get to know her because I am convinced she is going to become a huge star in this business. So objectively, putting everything else that I'm going to tell you about Mandy Harvey aside, she has a spectacular voice. She is a phenomenal musical talent just from hearing her music. And when you hear about her story, that talent's going to be all the more inspiring because ever since the age of 18, Mandy Harvey has been completely deaf. She has she lost her hearing in college. She was a she was a music student. You know, she wanted to become a music teacher. She wanted to devote her life to music and um through uh medical reasons that are still unknown to her doctors today fully. She just lost her hearing. Uh, it started to slowly go away in college, and by the end of her freshman year, I believe she was completely deaf. And despite that, she has gone on to become a phenomenal recording artist. She has made three albums of music. You know that she, you know, songs she writes herself, and you know, wrap your head around what it means that this is a person who, without being able to hear, you know, she can't hear. Her her backing band, she can't hear the song she's writing, she can't hear herself sing, has still managed to make beautiful, beautiful music. And when you listen to how she, the you know, the coping mechanisms she's built and the, the things that she does to, to overcome this disability she has, you can't help but be inspired. And, you know, it's, you know, even I can't fully understand how she does it, but she does it. And... You know, it's unbelievable, and there's a lot to be gained from listening to her because achieving success in this industry is hard, and you're going to have many obstacles in your way, and you have many obstacles now, I'm sure. And so I want you to listen to Mandy Harvey talk about how she's overcome her own obstacles so that she can inspire you to conquer whatever's in your way in your own life. And she's going to inspire you, make no mistake. Every, I, I, every time I listen to that interview, I still can't believe how she does what she does. It's, it defies explanation. And so you just have to hear it from her. Um, but just, you know, remember if she can achieve the things that she can achieve, then perhaps so can you. So those are the two interviews you're going to hear. And, um, I very much believe you're going to enjoy them both. And before we get into those interviews, I just want to say one more time, thank you so much for your support of this podcast, for your support of me and Dave, for those of you all who went out and got the book Thank you. We got the audio book coming out soon. I'm excited for that. And just, we really appreciate everything you've done for us. And I hope that, I hope that we have benefited you as much as you have fulfilled us with you listening. And uh, here we go. We got Jack Conte coming up next on the Break the Business podcast. Ryan here from the podcast. Shameless plug time. My new book, Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry is now available in paperback and an ebook. The book talks about how you can be your own boss in your music career and take control of your content creation, promotion, distribution, and fundraising. Get your copy on Amazon by searching Break the Business. It's a nice read for musicians and the people who love them. That's Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry. Thanks very much for your support.
Welcome back to the Break the Business Podcast. He is a musician, filmmaker, and entrepreneur who is one half of the music duo Pomplamoose. He is also the co-founder and CEO of the crowdfunding platform Patreon, which handles over $5 million in funding payouts to its community of creators every month. You can find out more about his projects by visiting Jack Conte Music and Pomplamoose on YouTube or by visiting patreon.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Jack Conte is on the Break the Business Podcast. Jack, Hi, everybody. Hey, it's a pleasure to have you on, my friend. It's really great to be here. Thanks for including me on the show. Oh, of course, of course. Uh, before we get down to business, Jack, I think a little discussion of affairs of the heart might be warranted here. You recently married your Pomplamoose bandmate, the super talented Natalie Dawn. Congratulations, by the way. Thanks. Um, you got married in May of this year, correct? That's right. Okay, so I feel kind of a kindred spirit with you. Which day did you get married? It was on the 25th. 25th. Oh, I also got married this past May. Uh, I got married on the 7th. So, oh, congratulations. Yeah, thank you very much. I actually, So I, I do have a little more experience than you when it comes to marriage. So if you have, if you need any advice, you just call me. I'll help you right out. <laughs> so, awesome. So how does it feel to be married? Do you feel any different? No, Natalie and I have been together for 10 years. So um, aside from, from having a lump of metal wrapped around my finger, it feels exactly the same. Good. But I should I should say as an aside, are you sick of that question? Because I get that question all the time. And my answer was exactly the same as yours. Um, yeah. Like, am I the thousandth person to ask it? Do I get like a free sub or something? Yeah, everybody asks that question. And, and my answer is is always the, the same thing. I you know, it's it's funny because, uh, you know, we've been through so much together, uh, you know, including having a band together and uh, and, and living together now for six years. And, um, it just, it just honestly feels like, uh, you know, like next, next step. I, I, uh, it feels like, okay, what, what's next? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's just another, it's another chapter in our, in our lives. You know, <laughs> that was the proposal. Natalie, will you do the next logical thing on our list with me? <laughs> oh, Jack, <laughs> I'm all Twitter faded. Um, <laughs> Well, I'd love to talk about that journey a little bit with you. Uh, how did you and the missus start making music together? How did Pomplamoose happen? Yeah, so um, I Natalie was opening for a band of mine um, that, that I was in at the time, and I had just, uh, I was a senior in college, and she was a freshman, and uh, we were slated to play on the same bill, and I walked in one evening, and I saw her playing and she had a she was playing this beautiful bass and the the coffee house was kind of smoky and and uh she you know looked very different than everybody else because you know she was straight out of straight out of europe so she had the euro trash haircut and she was sporting <laughs> the, the the european clothes and she just looked she, she just looked and sounded so different and um and i you know it was like one of those insta insta melt insta heart dropping through your stomach sort of Aww. things. And, um, uh, and so, so, you know, we, we, I, it's just funny. I, I went up to her after the show. I do not, I never in my life was, was good at, uh, starting conversations with beautiful women. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and for whatever reason, I got up the guts to go say something to Natalie. And, and, and what I said was, um, I think I said, uh, you have a beautiful voice. So I want to listen to it every day for the rest of my life. And then Whoa. I said, and then I said, do you have an album? And she said, no. And I said, do you want one? <laughs> so, 
that was that was the beginning of our music making together. And we tried making music. I immediately started producing her record and it failed and we hated each other and broke up. And then we got back together. And then two years later, we started Pomplamoose. <laughs> oh, man. Jack Conte pitching woo. I like it. <laughs> um, and you know, speaking of Pomplamoose, I, like many people, love, love, love the videos you guys create. The songs are great. The the concepts, the execution, it's, it's all marvelous. And I'm glad we have you on because creating these kind of videos is so critical to the success of DIY artists these days. And it can be hard for many artists to figure out how to get started. So when artists come up to you and sort of ask you, you know, say, hey, Jack, I want to make better videos and I need to learn how. Like, I need a good way to learn how. Uh, what would you recommend to them? Yeah, um, I wouldn't start with with video. I would start with um, what it is that you want to do and what you love and what you think you're great at. Um, you know, one thing that I had a lot of support from from my parents, you know, growing up was just just to do whatever I loved, whatever I was passionate about. My parents were just adamant about that with me. And um, and, you know, video was that for me. And I, and I loved it. And I think if you if you love something with all your might and all your soul. Um, you spend every second of the day thinking about it and you read about it and you understand and you learn about it. And, uh, and, and it becomes, it becomes an obsession. It becomes something that you get great at. I think there's, in order to get great at something, you can either fake it and then get pretty good. And some people end up getting great at it. Or if, you know, you can love it. And, and if you love it, and you do it, then the rest kind of follows. So I, I would say take a step back from video and figure out what it is that you really love and um, and and start there. Well, uh, faking it is an important uh, cornerstone principle of our podcast. So I can certainly yeah. endorse that. Um, you know, we're all about the faking competence around here. And that answer was about a hundred times better than my question. So I liked it very much. No, it's, no, it, it's good. And I think it's sort of in the spirit of uh, uh, Patreon to kind of follow whatever that passion is and to you know, embrace it and get, uh, and build a community of fans around it. And all right, let's, let's talk Turkey. I want to talk a little bit about this awesome platform that you, sir, have created. Um, you are the co-founder and CEO of Patreon. We love this platform as do the many artists, the many artists we've had on this show who've been able to pursue their passion, whatever it is because of it. Uh, can you tell us a bit about how Patreon works and how it differs from other crowdfunding sites like Kickstarter or Pledge Music? Sure. So um, Patreon is ongoing payments from fans to creators. And it's, I mean, really the main difference between Patreon and Kickstarter is that uh, Patreon is a salary. It's payments every single month from your fans. Um, it's not one lump sum and then you're done and you don't know when you're going to get paid next. Uh, I actually, sorry, I, that sounded like I was talking poorly of Kickstarter and Indiegogo. I love both of those platforms and I I, uh, you know, my, my wife, <laughs> Natalie raised over a hundred thousand dollars on Kickstarter and it was an incredibly Damn. wonderful thing for her. Yeah. So, <laughs> so they're great, great platforms, but they're not quite what I needed as a YouTuber, as a YouTuber, someone who's coming out with things regularly. I didn't want to write a book or make a movie or start a, a theater company or do a big singular project. I wanted to just keep making YouTube videos and I wanted to get a salary for doing that. And so the idea was, okay, fans, will you pay me five bucks a month so I can keep making videos on Patreon? Um, sorry, on on YouTube, and uh, and that's that's the main difference. Is Patreon is ongoing payments from from fans to creators. Um, all right, so let's 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 get a little futurist here. Let's take the long view. Um, a complaint I get all the time 
uh, about the industry is that you know recorded music sales continue to go down. Musicians are having trouble finding stable income streams the way they used to. And with that being said, do you think that recurring crowdfunding platforms like yours that allow for ongoing payments will eventually end up being the principal means by which indie content creators sustain themselves? Or do you see your platform more as just kind of being just a small piece of a larger pie for artists going forward? I think patronage is the future. Um, not only do I think that, I'm betting my life. I'm betting my time. I'm betting my hours and my energy and my focus on that. <laughs> um, I strongly believe that... Uh, that art is best funded through consumer payments. Um, I, I believe that for a number of reasons, um, but I, I don't. Without going into too long of a tangent here, I'll, I'll tell you two quick two quick stories and two ways I, I think about that. The first is, you know, patronage is how every great piece of art that we've ever known or studied or understood has been funded, literally for thousands of years. Art has been created because a rich dude with a bag of coins said, I like the stuff that you make. Here's some money. Go make more. That's how all of the great art that we know from history books and museums has ever been made. And it's only in the last hundred years that that's changed. A hundred years ago, we figured out how to capture art, how to, how to capture light on photographic paper, how to capture sound on wax cylinders. And when we figured out how to capture art and put it on a physical thing, we developed billions and billions of dollars of infrastructure in retail and trucking and distribution and brick and mortar companies and rights and all of the things required to take a physical thing from a record studio that produced it and get it to the hands of a consumer that bought it. And then 20 years ago, the web came out and voided a hundred years of infrastructure in one fell swoop. What's going to happen is because, because now distribution is free, because now production is almost free, because replication is infinite and free, the cost of those things is literally going down to zero. And I think that's why artists are complaining. And it's true that, that music sales are going away. It's because, it's because music sales, there's no scarcity anymore. Things are infinitely replicable online. Um, you don't have to buy a physical thing to get value from it. You can download it. And so it's driving the cost of goods down to literally zero, which is what you're seeing now. You can get any song in the world for free right now yeah. if you want it. Um, okay. So, so because of that, I believe we're going back to how things were before a hundred years ago when we figured out how to record light on a, on a piece of photographic paper. We're going back to patronage. That's going to continue to be the best way to fund the arts moving forward. And we're going to look back at this weird hundred years where unit sales became the main revenue source for artists as a blip in a, in a long, long uh, you know, um, history of patronage. I love it. I kind of want to just uh, chop that up in the editing room and set it to music. <laughs> that was that was. Uh, exa I think that's exactly right. And and yeah, it's cool how you know we you know art is cyclical, and the way we consume art seems to be cyclical. And the more things change, the more things stay the same. We're looking more like the 15th century than we ever have. Yeah. Um, I want to get a couple just Patreon tips from you from straight from the CEO source. Uh, when you look at other people's other creators campaigns on your site, what are some common areas where you think many creators can improve their campaigns? 
Yeah, I'd say probably the biggest one, uh, the, the biggest little thing for improving your campaign um, is to not be shy about it. Uh, Donald Trump is out there pounding the pavement asking for money. Um, Donald Trump. <laughs> uh, um, I have a friend who uh, is at a university and she does uh, she does research um, uh, brain research of of uh, infants to try and study um, infants brains and, and understand why they do things and how and how they react and what they're thinking and if they're thinking and, and all those things. And she spends her days writing research grants, asking people for money <laughs> Um SF Jazz is a is a nonprofit. I'm on the board. Um, they just raised uh, over seventy million dollars to build a building downtown um, in San Francisco, and they have an entire team whose job it is to ask people for money. Um, my point is, asking people for money happens in every every aspect of society. It's not something to be ashamed of. It's not something to feel tentative about. It's something that is a common practice. Um, it's, it's a, it's a method of, of getting paid that's been around for a long, long time and continues to be around. And it's cross-functional. It applies to politics and art and research and academics. And it applies, it applies to music and it applies to podcasts and it applies to, to content. So, um, that would be the main thing is, don't uh, don't for some reason feel like, oh, I, I don't want to ask my fans for money because everyone's asking for money. And in the way, it's not even really asking your fans for money because the fans are getting something out of the deal. There, There's a lot of great rewards that come in every campaign. And um, do you have any tips on how to create a good reward structure? Like what what rewards tend to be good for Patreon that maybe are not good for other cl- crowdfunding platforms? Yeah. So there's a couple of things to keep in mind there. I think um, first, you know, Patreon. The, the, the fans who join Patreon, we call them the fans that matter most. Uh-huh. These are the people who they're, they're the, the five, 10 percent of your fans that are responsible for 90 percent of your revenue. <laughs> These are the people who have been to your shows and been to your concerts and, and bought your tickets and they have your T-shirt and they and they listen to your song while they were having their first kiss. And you mean the world to them. Right. These are the people who whose lives you've changed and and these are the fans that matter most and so so think about what those people want and and mostly they want a special window into your life they want to you know they want to know what you're thinking and what you're doing and they want some extra posts and they they want to feel close to you i think i think that you know when you're thinking about rewards I would sort of tend to think of it, uh, I would use like a closeness framework. How can you help your your patrons feel close to you? Um, and that's things like live streaming, webcasts, it's things like a private email box or, you know, direct messages or um, it's things like, you know, it could be it could be transactional things like, you know, the first you get first dibs at tickets when you announce your tour dates or um, it could be, uh, you know, you get uh, high quality downloads of, of songs or, or podcast episodes or, or or whatever it is. Um, but, but we found that kind of the, the thing that really, that patrons really love is, is that special window and, and, and getting a little bit more access to you than they would get elsewhere. Oh, um, that's great. And Jack, I want to thank you so much for joining us. And let me say this as we wind down sort of a personal note, I want to thank you for what you've done as somebody who advises indie artists all the time in my legal practice. I am grateful to you for helping create a platform that not only helps artists get compensated for what they do, 
but also allows them to pursue success on their own terms. That, I, I imagine that must give you a lot of satisfaction. It does. I, I really appreciate that. I, I have to, um, I have to deflect the the compliment to the team though. I, I, uh, I, one thing that I've learned, cause you know, I've been an artist for a decade and, um, I've never worked with a team and working with the team at Patreon has changed my life. These people here care more about our mission and our company and our creators and our patrons than I ever thought was possible. And they work harder and, 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 you know, and they're more devoted than I, than I could have ever dreamed of. And, um, and yeah, one thing that I've learned is just, uh, teams are superheroes. Teams can do what no individual could ever dream of doing. And, and, uh, and I've really gotten a dose of that here. It's a really incredible experience to feel so small uh, compared to, you know, compared to what, what, a, what a full team of, of devoted and dedicated people can do. So, so thanks. And, and I'll, I'll let the, I'll let the team know. Oh, very good. Yeah. Be sure to extend my gratitude to everybody over there. Uh, Jack, it's been a pleasure. Don't be a stranger. We'd love to have you on again real soon. Thank you so much. Thanks. All right. We'll be right back on the break, the business podcast. Friend of the show, John Ratzenberger here with Ryan Carella, author of Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry, available on Amazon.com. Ryan, tell the folks a little about the book. Well, the book's about empowering Well, artists. that's fascinating, Ryan, but it's only a 15-second commercial. Thanks. Welcome back to the Break the Business podcast. She is a Colorado-based jazz singer-songwriter and motivational speaker who has been featured on NBC Nightly News, CNN's Great Big Story, and in the Los Angeles Times, and has performed at the Kennedy Center. Despite losing her hearing at the age of 18, she decided to begin what has now become a successful career in music that has led her to creating three acclaimed albums— her latest release is All of Me, which is available on iTunes and on her website, MandyHarveyMusic.com. You can find her on Facebook at Mandy Harvey Music and on Twitter at Mandy Harvey Jazz. Ladies and gentlemen, Mandy Harvey is on the Break the Business podcast. Mandy, thank you so much for joining us. I'm really honored to be here. Uh, we're honored to have you. Mandy, a listener actually brought you to my attention, and I want to tell you this story. All this listener did for me was just play your song Try for me and didn't tell me anything else about the song. And I heard it, and I said, she's really, really good. Incredible voice, powerful songs. She's going to be a star. And then the listener said to me, would you believe me if I told you that she was deaf? I was shocked. You've been you've been interested in music throughout your life, Mandy, and it was even your initial college major. But I was shocked to find out that you didn't decide to become a professional recording artist until after you lost your hearing in college. What caused you to embrace this career after you lost your hearing? My motivation was always music education. I wanted to be a choral director, and I was one of those people who would like shake and cry and throw up and pass out at auditions. I hated people staring at me. I was very, very, very antisocial. And so choir directing and being a part of the education process was a natural place for me to fit in. But when I lost my hearing, I couldn't do that anymore. So it stripped me of my identity. And I kind of was lost for a long time. And I found 
a way back into doing music. And the only way that I could actually be a part of music was to perform it. And so once I went through my biggest fear, which was always losing my hearing, singing in front of people just didn't seem as scary anymore. And I just started singing at uh, clubs for the open mic nights. And then I started to become a feature for those places and then started having my own concerts and then made my first album and then started touring. And it just kind of went from there. Uh, Mandy, pardon me if this question comes off as indelicate because it is certainly not meant that way. But when I hear your songs and I know that these songs are being performed by a person who literally cannot hear her music, at least not in the conventional sense, it seems impossible to me. How practically, practically are you able to create music? How do you keep time with music? How can you find the starting note of a song? Oh, it, you know, it's funny because people think I'm a magician. Really, it's it's a lot of math. So I have a visual tuner that helps me find middle C every day. And then I do my scales and center myself so that I understand where my pitch is. I have a natural ability to have near perfect pitch anyway. Um, I've had that before I lost my hearing. So I use that perfect pitch and that muscle memory and visual tuners to sing notes appropriately and then memorize my start and stopping notes for each song. Then when I'm playing those songs, I can feel the rhythm on my skin or in, in my, on my body. And so I just follow the tempo that way and trust myself. Uh, so it, it's a lot of interval memorization. So like, all right, this is a perfect fourth, this is a third, and then you just keep going throughout the whole song. It's just a lot of math. Wow. <laughs> And so you can feel, you can feel kind of the the rhythm, I guess, like a thumping of a bass. How do you hear kind of the higher register notes? You, you don't. Um, so for for singing purposes or for feeling music? For feeling music. In, for feeling music, if I'm doing stuff with other instruments that I can't necessarily feel very well, because I perform with my shoes off. So I can feel a lot more through the floor than most people pay attention to. And then um, for pianos, for a long time, I used to put my hand on them so that I could feel them better. But now I've gotten so used to feeling it through the floor. But some instruments are just ridiculous. Uh, they're very, very, very soft or too far away. And so you just have to watch them. And then they keep time with you. So I'll start the song, I'll lay down the tempo, and then I just count measures. And then they look at me when it's my turn to come in. So I know they're going to do an instrumental overlay for eight measures, and then I come in on the downbeat. So I just sit there, I watch them, and I count one measure, two measure, three, and, and then until they look at me, I come right back in. Mandy, your explanation sounds very nonchalant. This is what you're what you're explaining is completely insane. Somebody should make a movie about this. I can't. It seems really simple to me. I I guess I because I've been doing it for so long, but it's just like it's just counting. I don't know why that's so hard. I mean, I, I think we've gotten to a point in society where we rely too much on certain abilities. You know, you can hear so as you're learning music you listen to the music and that's how you've memorized it but if that's not the way that you memorize music 
I mean, there's so many other options for you. You, you can, you're limiting yourself by only experiencing music with sound. Take your shoes off and feel the music to the floor. Pay attention to your musicians. Have eye contact. There's so much communication that goes on, especially with a band, that if all you're doing is listening, you're missing it. Like 90% of all the communication that you could have, you're just ignoring. Wow. That is spectacular. Um, I, I want to take you back to when you were in college and you started to lose your hearing. What was the darkest moment for you during that time? And how were you able to overcome that dark period? I, I, I would say most of that entire year was a, just a, a never-ending dark period. I started school... And a month in, I couldn't understand my teachers talking anymore. So I started doing tests on my hearing, and I thought I had an ear infection, and I had lost 30, 40 decibels in a month. And by Christmas, I was getting fitted for hearing aids. January, I was using hearing aids and starting a new semester with a hope that my hearing aids were going to save me, and they didn't. And I, I would say the worst day... I was sitting in music theory class for a dictation test. So you're listening to a pianist play and you're charting it out. And I sat there and I was watching everybody else's pencils moving and just waiting for the test to start. But everybody was just doing the test. I couldn't hear the test even at all and I just sat there and one by one everybody stood up and left and I just was staring at my piece of paper and I had nothing written on it and that was the day I was dropped from the music program and I lost myself in that moment everything I had ever believed about myself the only thing I had ever been good at was music and the only thing I had a passion for was music being a music teacher was who I was I had everything planned in my life and no other direction and so once your identity is gone I mean you're just left with what I I didn't know who I was anymore and I didn't have any any desire to really find out anything else I could do because I was just in mourning as far as getting out of it I bits and pieces of me never really will you know, it's the, like the death of a loved one. Every day, that death is still there. But you learn to appreciate the good times and you remember the happy moments. And some days are harder than others, but you learn to not allow it to consume your every thought. But there will be pieces of me that are still stuck in college that will never come home. I will... I will never, I will never experience those moments again. So, so many artists find their inspiration in creating music in the music of others. Many artists have influencers and I'm guessing at least since college, you, you cannot say that you have a musician's music who influences you, but is it safe to say that you are that you find your inspiration from the challenges you face, that what you have had to overcome finds its way into the music that you make. 
Yeah, I mean, the last artist that I've listened to was back in 2006. I grew up listening to the 60s and 70s music and jazz. Um, but I stopped listening to pop and really anything new back in 2006. So I don't have anybody else's voice that I'm trying to imitate. I'm not trying to sound like somebody else. I'm not trying to play instruments like somebody else. I'm also not getting challenged by listening to something that I really want to imitate. You know, I'm just relying on my own experiences in my own life and my own stories. And so for the really the longest time, I just stuck with what I knew, you know, playing jazz songs that I have loved forever. And then with time and with confidence, I started learning new songs um, that were tried and true, but they were new to me. And that was scary and difficult. And then after a while, people asked me, why aren't you writing your own music? And I was like, you're insane. It's one thing to play a song that you can't hear, but other people have heard. It's something else to sing a song nobody has heard. You know, there's there's no reference guide to playing a song you can't hear. And you're writing a song completely blind. Is It's absolutely terrifying. So the only thing I can do is try to express a moment the best way I can and move on. Well, what you have said gives rise to two questions that I'm very interested in finding out. Uh, the first of which is, and perhaps I'm guessing is the easier question, how does one learn new songs? You know, you know, how does one cover songs that they cannot hear? Is it a matter of reading sheet music? A lot of it's sheet music. It's sheet music and, and reading lyrics. I actually read the lyrics first and try to get an understanding of what this artist is trying to portray. What, what emotion are they trying to evoke? And then I'll look up the sheet music and use my visual tuner to make sure that I'm singing it correctly in sight read. And a lot of the times when I'm learning a new song, the melody line and the lyrics lead me to have it sung in a certain way. And I find out that I'm completely wrong with the actual intention of the song. There have been several up-tempo songs that just seem like ballads and certain ones that I would assume, you know, should be, a, you know, one way or another. And it's completely different. But... I just kind of analyze them piece by piece and come up with the best thing I can. And then I'll have other people play it for me so I visually can look at it. But it's the same way with having a conversation with you right now. It seems very ordinary, but your everything that you say is just a text message that's coming over my phone. So how do you understand their emotion if all you see is text and notes on sheet music, you, you don't always get that clear picture. If you started talking excitedly, my phone's just going to say words that doesn't necessarily say excited, you know, or sad. So I get to create that emotion based off of how I feel and how I would feel if I said those words. And I would say to you that that, is an artistry all of its own to communicate a song without the benefit of having to hear it 
from others. And when I listen to some of your covers, I mean, it's really imaginative. I mean, your take on some of these songs is it's a real pleasure to hear. Well, thank you. And so I think I think that it can be fun. It can also be a hindrance, I think, in some regards, because you get stuck trying to sound like somebody else instead of what you want to be, you know, or how you want to express things. So I think in a way I, I kind of have the benefit that I don't, I don't have all these other voices in my head changing how I think it should be. I would feel inclined to agree with that, that you basically took the words out of my mouth there. And now I kind I want to ask the second of the two questions, which is, can you explain to me your songwriting process? How do you write original songs without the benefit of not only hearing what you're playing, but you know the other musicians you work with to collaborate with without being able to hear them? What does that look like? Oh, this is gonna this is gonna hurt your feelings. <laughs> um, most of the songs that I've written, I wrote in five minutes. Um, I just sit down and just sing a song out from start to finish and, and record it on my phone and, and leave it as it is. Um, You're a superhero. No, no. uh, uh, It just sometimes works out that way. Um, Other times, very, very rarely does it not work out that way for me. But um, there are other times what I do is I, I have a, an audio recorder, just a simple app on my phone that I have on there all the time. And then if I think of a, like a jingle or I think of a sentence or something, I just record it into that phone. And then I send it to a couple of my musician friends who have working equipment and uh, they chart it out for me so that I know, I know what it is that I, I did later because once I put it in a recording on my phone, and think of anything else, it's gone as if it never existed. And there's nothing that you can do to pull it back into my memory. So when I'm writing a song, I just write a song from start to finish and sing it over and over and over again, trying to remember it. And then I'll record it as I'm doing it. um, So that if I wake up tomorrow and I can't remember it, uh, at least I have proof of it so that somebody else can transcribe it for me and relearn it the way that I had been singing. Wow. And so now you've talked about that there, that you collaborate with others to help bring your songs to life. And so expanding on that, um, can you talk about some of the people in your life, either with either, sorry, either in or outside of music that have been instrumental in helping you achieve what you have in your career? Yeah, I I have so many friends and family that they they weren't even looking for helping in me in my career. They were just helping me to breathe on my own again. Um, they they just wouldn't let me go. They wouldn't allow me to become so spiraled into depression that I just did nothing with my life anymore. They were constantly pushing me to do things that I never would have done before. Um, my dad actually was the guy who told me that I should learn a song and play it on the guitar with him because him and I used to play guitar together all the time. And I thought that was ridiculous. And that opened the door for me to even realize that I could still carry a tune 
even without hearing it. And that pushed me to meet with my old vocal coaches and they pushed me to start singing live. And that pushed me to do one thing, which pushed me to do something else. And there's a gentleman named Eric uh, Weimar. He's the blind man who's climbed Mount Everest. And he's a friend of mine. And he's the guy who asked me why I was afraid to write music and kind of pushed me to take on that adventure. So there's been so many people who have helped me along the way. It would take far too much <laughs> to list them all, but I'm, I'm surrounded. I'm completely surrounded by people who refuse to let me be lazy. <laughs> well, I imagine people are drawn to you just because they find you so darn inspiring. <laughs> Um, I mean, yeah. I, after speaking with you, I kind of feel like I can run through a wall right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't you you can, whether or not you can survive it's a completely other question. <laughs> Go for it, buddy. You can do it. <laughs> I don't know what your wife would think. That's... <laughs> right, right, Mandy. I'm going to get that email next. Be like, you can my husband run through a wall. I was like, did I? <laughs> well, speaking of motivation, um, I do want to talk a bit about the work you do as a motivational speaker, and I kind of want to benefit from that expertise here. And I want to ask, based on what you've gone through in your own life, do you have any general advice for the listeners out there who might be overcoming their own forms of adversity on how they can overcome obstacles in their own life? Um... Oh my gosh, there's so many different things that I want to say. I I think that we have an understanding about who we think we are, that we created limitations to what we think is possible. We look at ourselves and we compare ourselves to everybody around us, and we create this understanding of what we're capable of, and I, I feel like that's wrong that we're so much more capable, that we have so much more to give than just one thing. I think that especially as a musician or a person who's dealing with some kind of barrier, that it's so easy to give up when something gets difficult and to say, well, this is impossible. Is it impossible or is it that we're just looking at it in a way that's not full? To, to really analyze what your dreams are and say, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to accomplish. How important is it to you? And what are you willing to do to get there? Can you say that you're giving 110% if you just give up? You know, I, I get so frustrated. I see all these people who want to accomplish amazing things, broken, non-broken, happy, sad. It doesn't really matter. We all have a story. We all have something that we're going to overcome. And the hardest thing to overcome is ourselves. We're convincing ourselves that we're not good enough. We're convincing ourselves that we can't do it. We're convincing ourselves that it's impossible to do. When we just need to tell our brains to shut up, say, all right, it's not possible to do it this way. Okay, there are going to be a million different ways to accomplish this goal. I've just found out one way not to do it. Let's try a different way. If it's important to you, you can do it. All right. Now I might have to run through a second wall. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not a 
brick one, at least this time. I'll find a nice particle board wall to, to try this with. No, that's uh, terrific. And now I know all of the listeners right now are quite curious and are excited to hear some of your musical creations. And I want to play one on the show right now. This is off your latest work, uh, Try. Or sorry, the latest yeah. album, All of Me. The song is called Try. Uh, do you want to tell the folks a little bit about this song and what inspired it? Yeah. This is a based off of a conversation that I had with Eric, and he and I are ambassadors for a nonprofit called No Barriers, which is what's within you is stronger than what's in your way. And he asked me why I wasn't writing music, what's in my way. And for me, it was fear and not accepting myself as I was now, you know. And so the song is admitting that I'm not where I want to be. I'm not able to do the things that I wish I could do. I'm not anywhere where I thought I would be. But I don't want to be stagnant anymore. I want to try. I want to put in the effort. I want to accept and love myself. And I, I want to take baby steps towards a new beginning, whatever that beginning may be. Wow. That's what that song's about. Wow. <laughs> Very cool. And uh, now we're going to play it right now on the Break the Business podcast. Here is Try by Mandy Harvey.
off of her latest album, All of Me. That was Try by Mandy Harvey here on the Break the Business podcast. Mandy, thank you so much for letting us play that on the show. That was terrific. I'm glad that you liked it. Oh, I hope that you liked it. Oh, oh I very much did, and I'm sure everyone did as well. Uh, because I know people want to find out more about you after listening to this interview, where can people find you on social media and on the internet in general? I'm pretty easy to find um, MandyHarveyMusic.com. I'm very active on Facebook, so Mandy Harvey Music. So if you do Facebook and then you do that backslashy thing, um, Twitter, Mandy Harvey Jazz. I like Instagram if you want to see my fishing photos. Um, I'm I'm here, there, and everywhere. If you forget who I am, you can always look up Deaf Singer. You'll find me. <laughs> um, and before now, before we let you go, and believe me. This has been a treat, and I could talk to you uh, for hours because this has just been such an illuminating and motivating and inspiring interview. But uh, last question, and we ask it to every guest we have on this show, do you have any last advice for the indie artist listeners who listen to this show on how they can move their careers forward? Yes. Ask yourself the question, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? Sometimes your answer is just being a part of music, and that opens so many doors. You don't have to be just a vocalist. You don't have to be just a performer. There are so many aspects of music to be a part of, and if one dream doesn't work out, especially in music, there are so many different avenues to go down and so many other worlds to explore in music. So. If you have the motivation and you have the love for music, just because you can't do one aspect of it doesn't mean that your career is over. It just means that you need to look at things a little differently and try something new. Well, you have been a phenomenal example of just that, Mandy. It has been a pleasure having you on. Please don't be a stranger. We want to have you on many, many times going forward. <laughs> 